0: Hello everyone and welcome to AMTV Radio. This is the podcast where I'm joined by a very special guest each time and we just wax lyrical about, well, whatever we want, quite frankly. And for today, our special guest is someone from the Hooniverse. I am joined today by the wonderful Doctor Who Guide. How are you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing well. Glad to be here.
0: Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to have you. Uh, The first question I've been asking all my guests so far, just because as it's the year 2020 and pretty much inescapable at this point, um this certain little pandemic that's been happening um has that how has that been um for you if you don't mind me asking has it been a big shift or has it just been you know has it been
1: oh well i'd be lying if i said it wasn't a big shift um but what's been funny for me is that you know a lot of people they had their their sort of lives thrown upside down because they were very social and going out more and maybe now they have less work and uh you know are sort of going stir crazy by spending time in the house but i was all already rather introverted and my work was all online so it's gotten to be more work for me in the sense that there have been so many watch alongs and there's like i've done 30 something live streams in the past like two and a half months and you know more people are online so there's more pressure to like you know make more videos about more stuff um, so it's kind of gotten busier and I think I'm handling it well, but I, I think I was already kind of just on a base level, kind of stir crazy anyway. I sort of bring that normal craziness. Um, but yeah, it's been really kind of weird to, to sort of go out of the house, uh, on an occasion, like a, a dump run feels like you're taking a, a vacation. <laughs> it's just, uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, this is what the outside world looks like. So I, I think I'm sort of trying not to get lost in the the Doctor Who online world and sort of remember that there's an outside of them so I we I take a walk every night and that helps
0: no no that sounds good um it's like you say I think for, for those of us especially who um, are more uh, are creative on the YouTube space where making content like as you know it takes up like quite a lot of your time mm-hmm. and especially if you're putting out regular content I think I know for me at least um when uh, when everything kicked off here in the UK um. I ramped up my youtube production constantly like I was going from making maybe two videos a week to every day just because I was like well I've got the time and there's nothing else to do so um but like you say I think some days I definitely lost that sense of there is an outside world I can actually go out and get fresh air and do exercise but yeah I think like you say it's about finding that that like middle line isn't it about not mm. being it being productive but not losing yourself but um but in the Doctor Who world, of course, um, you are the Doctor Who guide, you give people really informative videos about collecting, and as you're saying, you've been doing your watch-alongs as well. Um, for those of you who may be listening who might not know your channel or what you do, do you want to just give like a brief description of how you got started or what it is you specialize in, so to speak?
1: Yeah, sure thing. So my channel is all about building a community of fans who love Doctor Who, who are all about helping each other grow their knowledge collection and connection. and. Uh, that's sort of been the motto. And, I, you know, I set out to sort of be the Doctor Who guide. But what I've discovered is that so like the community itself has been just so amazing at helping me grow my knowledge collection and connection that mm. they've sort of become the Doctor Who guide and, and they're fact checking me in, in many cases. So I make videos uh, every week. Uh, a lot of them are about collecting Doctor Who. That's a big part of what I do. So. You'll see unboxings and collection updates, and I like to spread awareness about what an American U.S. Region One collection looks like. And Mm -hmm. uh, we just we do
0: videos all about uh, Doctor Who. So if you like that, uh, feel free to stop on by. No, for sure. I've been uh, one of the ones I find the most interesting that I've seen that you do is when you say get some DVD sets, but from like or different countries you know you wouldn't expect so like Mm. not just the uk and the us but other countries i I find that so interesting because i think unless commonly unless you're in that market itself um you don't really know what those releases look like so with videos like those i mean for anyone listening who's into doctor who stuff i'd highly checking out those videos in particular just because it's so interesting as you explain in your videos to see like you know the subtle differences or the the changes and stuff it's just it's remarkable i mean what what made you want to get like those you know those releases from say different countries that weren't just the UK and the US
1: well i think you know i i grew up and it was just natural to, to collect the dvds that were that were in the us but i was always looking up collection videos of uk collections and this these colorful region 2 dvds that you know the you could flip the covers inside out so that they would line up or they had, they came with booklets and and uh, so I was just always fascinated by what else was out there. I think for a lot of UK fans, you know, you get kind of the premium stuff uh, most of the time. Not all of the time. Uh, there are some <laughs> very cool foreign releases, which I, I will definitely get into. But uh, the I think you. So I think for a lot of people, they're like, why would you bother collecting DVDs that are outside of your country? And and my answer has been because because they're often cooler, and mm. it's it's just so fun because. You know, in the UK, you guys get something like 30-something box sets. In the US, there's only like six box sets. And uh, I recently got some DVDs from Thailand, which I'm very excited about. They're new series releases. Um, Mm. But in my collection, I've got Brazilian releases, Mexican DVDs. I've got Australian and German and uh, Dutch DVDs. Oh my. There's a a ton of them out there. Uh, There's a really cool French release of... All of the first uh, eleven series of New Doctor Who, and it comes in this beautiful like purple box. It's just amazing.
0: Oh man, that's the, uh, that's what I mean. Like, any, so anyone who's listening who thinks, "Oh, it's just the UK and the US," absolutely not. Like, check these mm-hmm. releases out. I, I remember seeing one. I can't remember if it was in Doctor Who magazine or it might have just been floating around online. It. I think it was a German release of the whole Sylvester McCoy era I think oh my gosh yes Uh. (laughs)
1: if you've ever seen um, one of those coffee table book box sets that's what I call them because I think the Doctor Who regeneration collection and the David Tennant years uh, in the U.S. we got the Peter Capaldi years they're these uh, they're books that have slots for the DVDs to go into and they've got beautiful pictures and you open them up the in Germany they released all of the Seventh Doctor episodes in this beautiful coffee table book box set and it's oh. it's something like i think i checked yesterday actually and it's like 170 to 200 euros and i'm like oh, my oh god, i want it so bad though it looks amazing so. i know
0: I, I remember when it whenever it was i read it i was like my god just look like owning the whole mccoy year on one set would just well owning any doctor right? on one set would be incredible although i mean i guess what we're getting now in the uk and the us is obviously these blu-ray collection sets and um, right. they've been quite i would say from my perspective they've been quite controversial like i love them like i've you know i've been right. i was hesitant at first but i've been getting them now on each release but i guess the controversy lies in obviously the very limited number and then the the scalpers get them and sell them for like 50 times the price or whatever oh, it is my gosh, so yeah i mean that it was that first tom baker one wasn't it season 12 like my god that i remember before they did the re-release i mean i was looking on ebay constantly and it was like 250 pounds 400 pounds right someone trying to sell it for 900 pounds and i'm like what why like why are you doing this but i guess it's the same in any market but um I can't remember, I was because I, I was watching some of your videos today, again, just to mm. refresh my memory for this video, and um, I can't remember, did you, have you got both the UK and US sets of the collection, or did you just get one of them?
1: I have, so for the UK, I have season 10, the re-release of season 12, season 18, 19, and 23. Nice. So five out of the seven, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've been collecting all the US sets as they come out. Um, but I don't have the latest uh, Tom Baker set. I still need to, uh, to track that down. Um, yeah. And I've been, I've been lucky. I've had three of those sets were sent to me. Um, and two. I got the season 19 and season 18 set for a combined 65 pounds. Oh my um, God, you're so seller, lucky! <laughs> right? There was there was a little cut in the J card of the season 19 set, but I was like, I don't care at this point. Yes. 65 for both, and yes. the the seller was very nice and a very reasonable price. Uh, they knew of my channel. Um, but unfortunately that didn't get me a discount but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> it was already a good price trying so. to
0: flesh out them youtube perks be like yeah you know my <laughs> channel you're going to cut me but on 65 pounds for not one but two of those sets i mean you did well you did really right. well there but
1: facebook marketplace i'm telling you
0: yeah so. it's i've gotten some stuff from there like well, i think when they first introduced that feature i was a bit like oh they're just trying to be like ebay it's you know it's not going right. to be very good but you're right the amount of stuff you just you get for dirt cheap because some like grandmas found it in a you know old and new but um i'd be interested to know as well as a as an american whovian um obviously in america for the collection sets instead of being labeled as mm-hmm. season 12 it's tom <laughs> baker season one um as an american whovian i guess a do you know why they did that and b do you prefer the way the uk one does it or do you prefer the us one
1: That's a very good question. Uh, I do not know. I wish I knew (laughs) why they did that. And I know that it bugs a lot of fans. Um, And if I were to defend it, I would say that the the reason I think, you know, the pro of it is that if you see in a shop Tom Baker's season one, complete season one, then as somebody who hasn't gotten into classic Doctor Who, you're going to be likely to pick it up and say, okay, I can start here versus if you see season 12, you're left looking for seasons one to six, or, you know, like, and those will probably be the last ones to come out. Oh, so yeah. to the person who's trying to get into Doctor Who, who doesn't know anything, having the season number, I imagine would be quite confusing because everybody's gonna be looking for season one, and the earliest we have is season 10. Uh, that being said, is the audience for these releases, especially the limited ones, going to be people getting into Doctor Who? It's most likely going to be fans upgrading their collections. Yeah. But for the U.S., it's a little different because the releases aren't limited. Now, <clears throat> most of them, uh, I think most of them have stayed in a reasonable price range. I think some of them have stayed around $60 dollars. Um, but compared to what getting the DVDs used to be like, oh my gosh, in the UK, I see them six pounds, seven pounds yeah. <laughs> for like, for the rest of your life, they will remain that price. Yeah. And that's like 10 US dollars. But in the US, there's like 60 or 70 Doctor Who DVDs that are like 30, 40, 50 dollars a piece. And you go into Barnes and Noble, it's like $25 for not even a special edition DVD. And I'm like, oh, this hurts oh my. my wallet so much. Um so it's a very exciting thing to see these Blu-ray releases not be limited in the U.S. and be a way that people can get into Doctor Who without breaking the bank on 160 DVDs. So I'm excited about like getting more people into classic Doctor Who through these Blu-ray releases, but mm. the reason the U.S. sets still don't work is because... They're not releasing them in order so if it was tom baker complete season one complete season two that wouldn't be confusing but we've got john Pertwee complete season four and who knows when the next one will come out so it's yeah. still a confusing no matter how you slice or dice it it's yeah. just confusing
0: they've just <laughs> i mean anything with doctor it's never it's very rarely in order <laughs> is it i mean it's funny you mention that though about the i'm shocked here that as you say collecting the dvds used to be so expensive and you're oh right here gosh. in the uk I mean, it is like six pounds now, but I mean, when I first started getting into Classic Who, I was about nine, it was just after the, I got into Doctor Who from the revival, the Chris Eccleston revival, watched that when it came nice. on, loved it, and of course, as many young people did, uh, when Chris Eccleston turned into David Tennant, I was like, what's mm-hmm. going on? You know, like, what, who's, who's <laughs> this guy? And my dad, who of course had seen the classic series when he was a kid, was like, oh, you know, this is, this is a thing, this happens, there's been many before him, so I was like, what do you mean? So then that was the process of getting into Classic Who. And my first DVD was the original release of The Three Doctors. And I know people like to diss The Three Doctors for various reasons. <laughs> but I, I love it. So I think it's partly because it was the first Classic Who I watched. But I just love it. And that was, that was a gift. But I remember the next 10 years collecting DVDs. Because, you know, you're growing up. You haven't got much mm-hmm. disposable income. They were expensive. I remember getting the... Oh, yeah original release of Remembrance of the Daleks, which, I don't know if you know, like, for, I think it was, like, the 2001 release, which was, like, really bare bones, like, there was oh, hardly yeah. any special screen features. grab for a cover. Oh, god, yeah. I mean, oh, of, like, the destroyed Imperial Dalek, it's like, <laughs> well, this looks terrible. But I remember <laughs> buying that for £12 at, at mm. the age of, like, 12. Mm. I saved up, like, all my pocket money. Aww. And they were like that for ages, so it's funny. I don't know why they've hey. suddenly gone for because doctor who was big you know we'd had the revival oh, yeah. david Tennant was in full swing but mm-hmm. for some reason classic who in the uk for such a long time i'd say until i think it was about the 50th when they started coming down to like the right. six pound seven pound but yeah why they were so expensive for so long was just and when i finally finished my set they're like yeah we're gonna do these blu-rays i'm like guys come, <laughs> come on guys guys please but um right no, I, am a, I do love the blu-ray sets and if anything now that i'm older and i, I don't know if you find this as well um as i'm older like you know i'm looking at the prospect of getting my own place and stuff and when you want to move collections it's much nicer Mm -hmm. to have it hope you know 25 26 blu-ray box sets as opposed to 150 dvds right um, oh yeah
1: i've recently had to move my set from sort of one room to the other as we sort of relocated for like you know um if at fair like my sister came home from college so she had to quarantine so we were sort of just moving things around in the house to make room for whoever you know uh was was needing to be sort of isolated in, in one part of the house for a period of time so i've had i've moved my collection like several times and oh my gosh you get such a workout going from like one end of the house down two flights of stairs and up again and it's like you don't realize it but especially vhs's and and it's it's a workout it's a workout
0: i'm a, like props to you for keeping the vhs's because i i think I, <laughs> I know right i started down that route like for some reason halfway through collecting dvds i think i got like one vhs for like a pound at a charity thing and i was like yeah i'll just i'll grab the vhs's as well don't know why i decided to do that i got about 20 releases in and was like yeah nah <laughs> I'll, I'll pass but um d- d- do you have all the vhs's now i or? i
1: do i was recently sent the last one i need needed uh to get i don't have all like the peter cushing spin-offs um but i've got all of the the if it has the doctor full doctor who episode on it i've got it now um and it's it's around 160 VHSs. And uh, I started collecting Doctor Who, uh, classic Doctor Who on VHS, because like you say, you know, you're, you're young. I, I was basically spending my allowance, which was like $4 a week, And on Amazon back then, now VHSs are annoyingly expensive. It's like, this doesn't make sense. There are DVDs, there are Blu-rays, there's BritBox. Like, why are VHSs expensive? Um, But back then, you could get one for, I kid you not, like, it was a penny and $3.99 shipping. So it added up to $4 exactly. So every weekend, I would buy a Doctor Who VHS, and that's how I started. And then a friend of mine was like, you know... DVDs last longer and I was like oh you're right and and as I got more I was like I, don't, I think I was just used to that in the habit of, of buying VHS's every week uh, then but uh, yeah I then got into collecting DVDs and thankfully you know I'm a completionist and people are like why Why do you have original editions why when you have a special edition do you go back and get an original edition and I'm just like it's well it's because i'm addicted at this point uh, but yeah.
0: <laughs> hey at least you admit that you know you're in you're not in the denial phase anymore so oh
1: no oh no
0: no uh, um, I'm, i know what you mean though about completionism i mean i've i've, I've recently started down a very slippy road of um, oh boy uh, are you aware of the um, modern series releases on steelbook here yes. in the uk are they in the us as well or is that just a uk thing i can't remember
1: just a uk thing there was one uh, it's called a tin here um which i know you guys have vhs tins but this is this is a steelbook it's for the complete series four and it's got this like golden beehive design um it's not as nice as the the newest one uh, for the uk but uh, that's the only one we get in the us
0: so oh man well, I mean, I remember when the when they started doing them, I think it was about two years. I think at the same time as the Blu-ray collection started, actually. But, um, you know, season one came out and it was like £25. And I was like, Aww. no, I was like, no, Aww. I own season one on DVD. I don't need it on Blu-ray. I'm a pass. Season two oh, came no. out with David Tennant. I was like, this looks nice, but I don't need it and oh, then it's no. been going on and on and on and i don't know what it is but like you know when you have those moments where like a switch in your head just like flicks mm-hmm. and i think it is the space thing i was looking at the modern series dvds because they're like bulky things they are UK. so bulky oh my god like literally vhs size some of them oh yeah like put vhs is to shame <laughs> i know but um i've i think it was c uh matt smith's second season series six has just come out yeah i was looking at it and i was like okay it's 27 pounds am i doing this and i was like yeah i'm doing and i was looking back i was like surely it won't be as bad as the collection oh no! Oh, oh. my well do you know what seasons three four and five not not too bad no bit no a bit more pricey than when they came out right but, you know, maybe manageable. double or you yeah know. double like yeah but season one and two i don't oh. know what's going on there like season one uh 200 pounds like oh my gosh, minimum. Yeah, I- and I know it's going to annoy me because, like yourself, I'm right. a completionist. So I've started right. this thing, and I'll get all like the modern ones, and obviously now I'll I'll keep up to date. So when they do like a season seven and all that, I'll right. just get them straight away. But it's just those hindsight moments in it when you start kicking yourself, like why didn't I just buy buy it when it all started, and I wouldn't be having right. this mess. But never well, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But
1: <laughs> it is, but there's also like a certain you have to have a certain amount of like expendable income at the time when these things come out like if you're trying to keep up with the dvd releases the blu-rays the books the all, all the big finish like you really have to pick and choose as a doctor who fan i mean unless you happen to be lucky enough that you have that amount of income to keep up with everything so i think it's just that sort of thing of like you sort of you focus on one thing. Like, I've been co- I have collect Doctor Who on DVD, but I don't collect Big Finish on CD. I'll get the downloads when they're on sale. But like, you, you just sort of have to pick an area and sometimes you pick the wrong area or you don't get on board with something. But series nine, that steelbook is, whew, that is expensive as well.
0: Well, it makes me wonder because, you know, they've been going through the modern series, doing the re-releases with like the modern Jody logo and all this sort of stuff. Um, they're probably going to do season set keeps in series seven because that didn't have a steel book, and same mm. with Capaldi's first series eight. But I wonder when we get to you know like nine and ten, um, which oh. technically have had releases. It's like, are they going to do it again but with the modern logo, or are they just going to leave it? I kind of want them to do series nine just because, like you said, that thing is ridiculously expensive. Right. But oh, right. part of me thinks they'll just get past series eight and think, well, we've already done this, so why do we right. need to do it again but um yeah so that's why i'm oh, like i didn't well, see... realize that yeah because like see well see series 10 i mean that's fairly affordable say like between 40 mm. to 70 pounds so not that bad in hindsight right. but but again it's like do i want to buy that when there's even a vague chance that they might re-release it it's just i think that's the problem isn't it i mean let's face it when the dvd's finished and a lot of classic who was shot on video. I mean, come on! A lot of us thought they right. can't put these on on Blu-ray. What's, oh, we what's never the point? And then they're like, "Hey, we're putting them on Blu-ray." So, yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, oh. that's the world of collecting. They get your money once, and then they'll they'll find new ways to do it all oh, over yeah. again. But uh,
1: <laughs> I I tell you, I tell you what, the the moment you complete your Steelbooks, they're gonna say, you know what, we're gonna do the collection releases for the new series. We'll do that and
0: they're gonna no, release them again no, no. <laughs> i will only accept that i will only accept collection release of the new series if they keep the numbers going so instead of series one it's got to be season 27 <laughs> that is the that is the <laughs> because think how annoying that would be you've got your shelf it's all oh. nice one to 26 and then it's just series one but the series word is so small you just see one and that would just be like <laughs> oh that would drive me insane and it, like you say let's face it if they're making the collection sets, say primarily for those of us like me and you who are collectors you know we know the franchise mm-hmm. we know the show just just keep it the same just keep it the same number don't go back to series right one, please
1: we know what you mean of course in in the US, it's going to be Chris Reckleson complete season one. So it's a moot point.
0: <laughs> Chris in the complete series. more just the basically, the full shebang. But um, speaking of him, what do you think about his return to the franchise?
1: Oh, my gosh, I am so excited. Um, and a lot of people, I think we're all hoping that this opens the door for him to return for the 60th. Um, and so I'm just hoping that he has a really great time and... Uh, the I I love that we've already had, you know, Billy Piper back for Big Finish, we've got John Barrowman, we've got uh, Noel Clark was, you know, in Dalek Empire, uh, obviously Camille Cadori is so like you could bring back basically Adam, uh, the entire Series 1 cast, so I hope they kind of have like a reunion uh, or some story set during that time, because yes, I do want to see like Chris Rackleston's one-off stories and Uh, So, I don't know if you've gone down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out, like, Doctor Who continuity timelines. I expect you have it at some point. Um, It's such a headache. And what what happens, especially with stuff like Big Finish, is you get these sort of micro gaps in Doctor Who stories between televised stories where you know as the viewer, like, okay, the cast is still wearing the same outfits, they still referenced a path of the previous story, not that much time has passed if you just watch the TV show, but then books, comics, audios, they'll take those little gaps and expand them hugely. So that scene at the end of Rose, where the, the ninth doctor closes the TARDIS door, and, you know, Rose has kind of said, no, I'm, I'm not going to come traveling with you, and then he opens it again just a couple seconds later it's like oh by the way did i mention this travels in time and she's like yes and goes with him everybody just wants to place so many adventures for chris roccleston in that spot and i'm like i understand the temptation but the way it plays out on scene i think it's almost comical to have him be like you know really disappointed that she turned him down and then go and have like Years worth of travels and adventures, and then one day, just wake up in the middle of the night and be like, "Shoot, I didn't tell her it travels through time." And then <laughs> flies the TARDIS back to that exact moment, opens up the door. He's old, he's wrinkly, he's haggard. He's been throughout the universe, and he's like, "Did I mention it travels through time?"
0: <laughs> so just... I'd be sewn so down for that. To be that. <laughs> That'd be such a funny story we only we need to get like the petitions going like please do this like please please um no you're right i mean i think in terms of returning for the 60th i mean we can only hope i mean i I I recently did um uh, well uh, like like a lot of us did who are Hoovians here on youtube you know just a video about him coming back my thoughts and what i thought it would mean for the franchise etc but um i did wonder like because sadly the acting industry here in the uk i don't know if it's similar in the us but um sadly like ageism is a big Mm. thing over Mm -hmm. here and I know like because obviously when he did it he was 41 and by 2023 he'll be 59 and I know he hasn't changed that much like you know physically or whatever but sadly in the UK like this there's this whole stigma about if you're like too it works both ways like if you're too young or too old that a lot of people suddenly think you can't act so (laughs) I'm not saying the BBC would shaft him especially after how much backlash they got like the first time they did that but it does make me. Do you know what I mean? It makes me wonder. I'm like, will they pull that sort of thing out the out the hat? But yeah, you know. I mean, it's always bugged me, and that's the
1: thing where I love the day of the doctor as an incredible story, and and for what it did in celebrating the fiftieth. But for me, I just so much wanted to have all the surviving actors back, and to me, I don't, I don't mind. Like, I'd rather have them on screen older. Maybe put on a little bit of weight. That's fine. Like they, this is meant to honor them and the what the impact they've made on the show. So I, it's just always frustrated me that 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 sort of. I mean the, I think the acting industry in general is you know would you audition and you're you're just so like very judged on like you can play this type of role. You're you're this height. You're this you know you look this age range. Uh, so it can be very tough in that regard, but I'm just, it makes me so sad to think that like, okay, you get one, one season of Doctor Who or three series of Doctor Who and then you're just, you know, relic, you've, you've got to just go and retire and record big finish audios until you, until you die and then we have to like CGI you back in or use like replacement actors and (laughs) I'm like, just bring them back. They could even do roles that weren't the Doctor, you know, like these are amazing actors cover in prosthetics and just have us classic fans going oh that's colin baker playing a yeah. lizard person or what you know <laughs>
0: whatever it is you know colin baker is a lizard person i i am down for this uh, <laughs> so many I good don't know ideas. where that came from but... <laughs> but i mean they did it with tom baker you know the whole curator thing that's basically a, that's a case in point you know we didn't care right. that he wasn't i mean he could be the doctor who knows but i mean do you know what i mean we weren't yeah. like oh he's not being the fourth doctor it was like oh it's it's tom baker and here he is mm. and And uh, yeah I just I don't know why it's it's more of a thing now I mean you think back in the 80s you know you had like John Pertwee in the five doctors and Pat Mm Troughton in the two doctors both of whom looked very visibly older that but no one no one cared and I think as you say I'm with you like you know if if he looks a bit older or a bit you know more weight whatever it doesn't matter like it's the it's the character we're after and they can easily write some sort of I mean they did it for time crash didn't they with peter davidson didn't they what was it he like grabbed his face and said oh like some displacement in the time field or something some some bit of
1: techno babble to explain it away and you know or or even i i saw some incredible videos trying to explain why the first doctors looked so different in multiple stories after he Mm. he left the show um and so it's like any bit of of techno babbling will be fine and to those who are listening who are going, uh, but wait, the fifth, sixth and seventh Doctor were in Day of the Doctor. They were under <laughs> the, the cloth in in from the Five Ish Doctors reboot. Uh yes, you are right, but I, I want those those actors back in the show in more than just underneath the yeah. cloth. We actually, <laughs> Red want
0: to, we actually want to see their faces, you know. We <laughs> to right. know that they're actually there. But um no, absolutely. I mean the the biggest well, I don't know if you saw the well, the biggest scandal I think here about ageism in the acting industry do you know the film chicken run yeah oh yeah love it so yeah so Ch- chicken run obviously as we've just said like really great film you know classic film um, they're doing the sequel and um you know i th- you just think all the cast will be coming back because they're all still here etc um uh, well um oh oh well mm, well first first of all mel gibson's not coming back as rocky which part of me partly anticipated because since the original lead said some de- debatable things and obviously it's it's 2020 so if you said a bad if you said a bad thing you can't you can't do anything um but the woman and it's really bad I can't remember her name but the woman who voiced the main chicken ginger they're not having a back and you know why she was told her voice sounded too old and She posted a video, I think it's on Twitter or somewhere, she posted a video of her recording her original, like, you know, lines from the first film, and she's showing herself doing it, and she sounds exactly the same. And I, it's just, I, and that's what I mean, it's just this hideous example, particularly in the UK, of this, this notion that if you cross a certain age, or if you're not a certain age yet... Like you, you're clearly not good enough or not eligible. I think it's horrible. It really should be about the talent, you know, and the the ability. But yeah, so now I'm now I'm even less looking forward to this sequel because I'm like, well, if you're recasting the two leads, it's like, you know, what? What's the point? Yeah.
1: My my brother and I quote that movie, uh, so often. Uh, it's ju- it's just so great. Um, but also it's like. Okay, so we'll suspend our, di- like, I can, I can, I don't understand it, but I can more easily comprehend the sort of ageism when it's visual, but when it's yes. in a voice, it's like, come on, and, it, and it's also like, I mean, we've already accepted that these are talking chickens, like,
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, do, do any of us really know what a, an older talking chicken sounds like, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah and i just think in terms of what they're going to do as an alternative they can't win because if the replacements do their own voice which is you know valid you want to put your own stamp on it but these characters are so like ingrained in our subconscious that if they don't sound like they did we'll be like well that's you know that's incorrect but then if they try and sound like the original actors we'll be like oh well they're just doing a a bad impression so i feel they've they've boxed themselves in a corner but you know Mm. we'll see whenever Mm -hmm. the We'll see whenever it comes out, but yeah, I just think you know, as we're saying, it's it's just a horrible thing that exists in the acting industry, and I do hope now that basically, well, here in the UK at the minute, the acting industry is dead because of you know a yeah. certain pandemic. Mm. I do hope we use this opportunity as like a, you know, like a springboard to to shift things around I suppose. But um just bringing it back to Doctor Who, I'm surprised I haven't asked you this already, but of course the uh, uh the main well the most recent transmitted season of course was series 12 with Jodie Whittaker Mm -hmm. and uh just fan to fan be as honest as you like um what were your thoughts on series 12?
1: Yeah so uh any Doctor Who back is obviously uh just so exciting when you have new episodes on TV I'm, I'm grateful for for every time that we get that uh only 10 episodes a series uh is frustrating to me um and uh so I I really enjoyed uh, a particular few episodes. I thought spyfall was a really fun uh, and engaging way to start off the series. I really think having Sacha Dewan as the master has been was is a stroke of genius that uh, is helping to reignite interest in the show and uh, I I just think that's a brilliant casting choice, he's, he's such a good actor, I recently watched him again in An Adventure in Space and Time and it's just, his range is just incredible. Uh, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite masters um, and I loved Fugitive of the Judoon, unfortunately I, and I will not spoil the episode for those who haven't seen it yet, um, but I like There were two major things that you could spoil about the episode and both of those were spoiled for me because I was just, you know how, like I knew consciously, don't check social media, like there are big things going on, there's a new episode on, and we watch it on Amazon Prime the next day because as a family we all like to watch it, but if it's, if we're just watching it when it's broadcast on BBC America or whatever, it, sometimes our schedules just don't work, so for like Monday morning I try and avoid social media, but it's, sometimes it's just reflexive, like you get a notification, you click on it, and then it was from one of the spoilers was on Twitter, that was my own fault, people were sharing the big reveal, and I'm like, I get that you're excited, I just, it's, it's frustrating, but I would like, you know, I try not to, to share anything spoilery for 24 hours at least, um, and, but the, the other spoiler was an official Doctor Who channel YouTube video. With a title that you know, blah 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 returns, and I'm like, oh my gosh, thanks! I just saw the notification. So, even though both things were spoiled for me for Fugitive, watching it through my family's eyes and knowing what was coming was almost in a way more exciting because I could get geared up for excitement for the episode, so I love that. Um, and uh, also the haunting of Villa Diodati, I think that's. A, a brilliant historical and we really needed Cybermen to come back and be scary and this that design just nailed it so uh, I love those three episodes in particular
0: no absolutely um I, I'm, I'm in the same vein as you that like you know with Spy 4 being really fun and, um, mm-hmm. and Villo Diodati being exactly what we needed like at that point right. I think um the thing that didn't disappoint me but I was a bit surprised by it and I'll just say now anyone who hasn't seen series 12 and plans on doing it you're probably best to yes. switch this off now or I'll put a timestamp in because I would like to discuss some of the more right. you know, spoilery aspects so mm-hmm. uh, you have been warned officially um yeah obviously in Villa Diodati and before that you know we'd had the build-up of this lone Cyberman mm-hmm. this uh and yeah when we see him in Villa he's really scary right like I love I love the scene where you know Shelly's talking to him and you think for a moment she's yes. got him outside and it's a yeah the fake out but it's the things he says like talking about like slitting his children's throats and stuff i was like geez like we've got a scary cyberman again oh yeah um but then come the timeless children you know everyone's favorite the timeless children um barring the other reveals in that episode i just found it a shame the lone cyberman was brushed aside so easily yeah
1: yeah because i was like
0: you've built up this figure for half the season and in right. Ascension, yeah, like it's it's coming to fruition. You know, he's he's leading this mm-hmm. army. He's got the Doctor on the back foot and all this sort of stuff. And I just really, because obviously the Master comes in at the end of Ascension, and I knew there right. was going to be some like scenes between him and the, the lone Cyberman. But I really wanted him, I think, to be a bit more powerful than he ended up being.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, you, we sort of wanted a new Cyber leader that could maybe return in a couple episodes. You know, a couple series or something. Um, yeah.
0: And not it, just like another throwaway you know another throwaway scene with oh the Cybermen are back but we'll just we'll, we'll wave our hand and they'll just fall down and you know it's right. a bit like yeah you know
1: I love the return of the tissue compression eliminator uh, oh if yeah if that's what it's called TC yeah that's yeah, it yeah, yeah TC yeah uh, I love that but uh, it it sort of presents itself it's sort of like the Sonic screwdriver in that it can very easily <laughs> become a deus ex machina for just dealing with some big threat um but and you'd really think that the doctor in uh, however old she is now like in all that those years would have come up with like a reverse for that like you know uh but a a tissue expansion uh something or you know (laughs) something like that um but i guess i guess not um obviously there there's a, a lot of controversy about like what went down in sort of the the expansion of of what we knew of the the doctor's history and i my feeling when watching the episode was mostly of relief because i was very worried that they were going the route of like sort of rewriting and replacing like the first doctor is no longer the first doctor and and all of that i think there was that fear so when i saw that it was essentially just trying to Flesh out what happened before and say that there were many other doctors before this cycle that we have come to know and love. That was sort of a moment of relief for me that, like, okay, well, that's not as bad as it could have been. And I think that if you're going to try and go down that route of changing what we know of Doctor Who continuity, um, I think that that was a the sort of least harmful way you could have gone about doing such a big thing like that. Um, So I know that a a fair amount of some vocal uh, members of the community have have, you know, been very disappointed by that sort of rewriting. But I was I was just sort of relieved that it wasn't worse than that. I I had a great theory about Ruth being a CIA regeneration of the doctor, you know, the, the Celestial Intervention Agency hires Patrick Troughton for a while. That's why he looks old in The Two Doctors and has his own whistle for the TARDIS, uh, this famous 6 B season 6 B theory. I was like, well, what if the second doctor regenerates into Ruth? That's why her TARDIS looks like the police box, and Ruth does some work for the CIA and the Time Lords, which is sort of hinted at in Fugitive of the June. She then quits uh, and isn't working for the Time Lords anymore. And that's when we see her in Fugitive. Uh, but then, once the Time Lords catch up with her or her work is done, they, re- they uh, erase her memory and the third Doctor goes on thinking that he was the Doctor after Patrick Troughton. And it works because we haven't seen that regeneration. And everybody like is like, oh, but we see the Doctor fall out of the TARDIS in Patrick Troughton's clothes. But if you look at it, it the clothes aren't, they, they kind of match up pretty well with the Ruth Doctor's, you know, black sort of coat and, and pants. So that's the theory I I was hoping that they the route that I was hoping they would have gone, um, but they went a different route. So I'd love to know what, what your thoughts are on that.
0: Sure. Well, I, honestly, I'm very glad you, you explained it in the way you did, because I feel my, my, my sentiments in that sense are, are the same that, you know, you, I, I remember there was the rumors, weren't there, before it aired about, oh, mm-hmm. there's this big thing where, they're gonna like basically erase the history we know and replace it with something else and like you i think by the end of it it was that phrase a lot of people bound about of it changes everything but also changes nothing at the same time right and yeah i think the the big thing i've tried to explain to whether it's friends or people i've had conversations with online is that you know the big gripe seems to be you know people saying uh you know oh well this means william hartnell isn't the first doctor anymore um i would argue he is in the sense that you know, all those lives pre Hartnell, uh, like the mm-hmm. Timeless Child lives, mm. um, as far as we know or can gather, none of those past incarnations referred to themselves as the Doctor. Um, whereas when eventually, you know, th- the life was rebooted to mm-hmm. the incarnation that came to be known as Hartnell, that was the life where, you know, he first took the title. So if you're going on a title basis, I would say William Hartnell is still the first Doctor, not necessarily the first incarnation, but the first... Doctor, if that makes sense, so right. I thought that was pretty safe. Um, yeah, uh, the only thing in the way for me was the Ruth Doctor, like in that in terms of that theory, because right. obviously you know she goes by the title of the Doctor. She's got a police box, TARDIS, and all right. this sort of stuff. I was more leaning in your camp uh, in the sense of the whole, you know, the Six B theory because that mm-hmm. seemed to provide the most sense with the information we were given. Although um, the only thing of the Six B thing that gets me is. So say that is the case, you know, it was mm-hmm. part of the CIA and all that sort of stuff. Um, but when she regenerates, does that officially count into the doctor's uh, original regeneration cycle, right. so to speak?
1: So so here's also, I, that's a good point. Um, and I, I did a theory video about this that I was very lucky. It, it got a lot of views because it was, you know, sort of a trending topic at the time. So th- I've had an opportunity to think a lot about this theory. So first off, if we you know we know that the time lords can give an entire regeneration cycle you know surely if they can do that it's not so far fetched to imagine that this secret government organization of the time lords can give dole out one regeneration at a time if they it's, like I, I don't know is it just like a a single like well we've got this uh this a needle that injects uh, 13 regenerations at a time, and we haven't really figured out how to make it do less than that, so have fun. Maybe that's where the Morbius doctors come from. No, don't get started on the, started Morbius, on the Morbius doctors. Morbius doctor.
0: Everyone will be ranting at us saying, no, it's not, it's not this, it's Right, that. It's right. Just... Um, yeah, no. So
1: either they, the CIA is powerful enough to give one regeneration, which I don't think is that hard of a pill to swallow, or... We simply sort of retcon out that double tenant regeneration, which never sat well with me because the poor second tenant doctor didn't, I mean, we'll see more Time Lord Victorious. I'm glad they're fleshing out his his time, but uh, before Time Lord Victorious, he had like a very short tenure as the doctor before regenerating again. Like, it's no wonder his last words were, I don't want to go. And, and a lot of, some people have been like, oh, I don't like, David Tennant's doctor because he's kind of pompous and he, he's he been around for forever and, and then he's like oh I don't want to go I'm like well think about it that way like he had just the specials <laughs> so of course he was frustrated that he had to get in you know take a lethal dose of radiation he'd only had four adventures or
0: you know what no, I know mean. I, I must admit I'd never th- I'd never thought about it in that sense I,
1: I would, would rather like retcon sense. because that was sort of you know, leading up to the 50th anniversary, like if we really want to be frustrated about not being able to call uh, doctors by their regular names, then I think we should have been a lot more outraged at the war doctor being a thing because, and so when I hear these, these frustrations, it's like, I understand it on one level, but you're kind of complaining more about this problem when we have, when we're inserting in a new a new woman as the Doctor than you were when we inserted in the War Doctor. And that was kind of because we could name him the War Doctor, but technically the ninth Doctor is the 10th Doctor, and the 10th Doctor is the 11th and 12th Doctor, and the 11th Doctor is the 13th Doctor. So if you've just accepted all of that for the past seven years with Day of the Doctor, and you don't mind those being messed up, I guess now because the classic series is being threatened, that would that would bother more fans. But I've just always been like... we we just need we know who we're talking about you know no nobody's like oh oh i'm sorry when you say the ninth doctor are you really talking about the war doctor it's like no you know i'm talking about christopher eccleston that's all those names really are he's always like in the universe just known as the doctor and uh you know that's we we've we've existed with the master like who the heck knows i i have a Four-part, five-part series on my channel, trying to figure out the regenerations of the Master. What a headache! It's just we we all just call him the Master, and uh, we somehow managed to survive. So you know, I, I do feel for that because I, I'm like very into continuity and timelines, and I want the whole Doctor Universe to make sense. But the reason it survives is because new writers take over and can freshen up the show and and often do i wonder if there's like a bbc brief of like you have to forget about the previous continuity of the past like five years <laughs> like if that's just written, if that's an instruction for being a writer on doctor who
0: um, uh, well the claims that annoy me is that you see some uh, well as you say vocal we'll use the polite word the vocal fans hmm. is um you know saying oh and um, Jodie whittaker and chris chibnall are out to destroy doctor who and it's like, well, these people are employed by the BBC. It's kind of, you know, their job and giving them income. So right. why would they want to destroy it? Uh, that, well, that was that was one thing. But the thing that also got me was I don't know if you ever saw after the timeless children went out, the whole thing of oh well, this renders Matt Smith's, uh, you know, the end of Matt Smith's time with the, you know, giving him another cycle. He's like, well, that renders it useless because if the doctor's the timeless child, they've got an unlimited number, and I. <laughs> I don't think it was explicitly said in the episode, but I I took away from it quite quickly. The whole... Mm. You know how the Timeless Child in in the beginning did have unlimited regenerations, and right. it was the whole thing of Tektayuna discovering that, mm-hmm. but then when she passed it on to a race, limiting it to 12 regenerations. I don't think they said it, but I instantly took away with, oh, so when they reset the Doctor to the Hartle right. incarnation, they also took away... That immortality, because if yeah. Tecteons discovered the the secret, so to speak, um, mm. she can control it. Why does she need the Timeless Child to be unlimited anymore? Oh, if yeah. that makes sense, so so I thought straight away. I was like, okay, well that you know that fits in. So the Max right. Smith thing still still stands. Um, and w- but
1: some... if anything, it does give more explanation for why we have you know sort of the alternate doctors. The Shalka Doctor, you know, there are multiple yeah. night Doctors, there are the Brain and Morbius Doctors, and they're all just things that we previously ignored, but now we can kind of retcon them in.
0: <laughs> they're all canon. Curse of Fatal Death, <laughs> Rowan Atkinson, and all oh the others, all, all canon. I Best want Rowan. Minutes of Doctor Who. I want
1: Rowan Atkinson back as the Doctor.
0: Like, could you imagine if he even just did like a cameo in like a Jodie Whittaker episode, just I, pops I up? Know. And... I know. I kind of want yeah. him to
1: play it like sort of like a cross between Johnny English and Mr. Bean like I just love (laughs) the idea of him like you know sort of like how Jar Jar Vinks in the prequels like survives the fight with the droids by just like pure comedy and like I just want that to be like Mr. Bean as the doctor like bumping into Daleks and like you know uh, accidentally electrocuting some some monster or something like I just think that would be hilarious
0: that would be incredible honestly that that's we've had so many good ideas on this show already we need to get these submitted to the to the right where are
1: the where are the petitions um but i know we need to get them started going back to what you said about chris chibnall and jody whittaker um i see because because you know i talk with my family about this uh a lot because you know we sort of bring different perspectives to it and i'm part of being a Doctor Who YouTuber is you see this news and you sort of you realize the implications of it because you're sharing you're going to be sharing it with hopefully you know hundreds or or thousands of of other people so you you hear this news and you're sort of like okay what what's sort of going to be the fallout from this because I'm in this space you know uh, I'm going to be experiencing it there are going to be comments Um, so I agree that the writing for series 11 and I think it it definitely improved for series 12. But the writing, especially for The Woman Who Fell to Earth, I think needed to be stronger. I think they needed to start the series off on an episode like Rosa, on an episode like The Demons of the Punjab. Um, I really think it needed to be stronger because so much was riding on it, and perhaps unfairly, I definitely think unfairly because you know it's a a woman as a doctor, it's gonna be judged more harshly. Um, I think it needed to be better. And I've seen the episode 13 times because for a live stream, I just, I, I had this terrible idea the night before to to say, you know what, what if I watched the 13th Doctor's first episode 13 times in a row? And I'd watched it the day before, when it first, you know, the day after on Amazon Prime with my family. And then I was like, so could I, the next day I was gonna watch it in theaters because that's a cool thing that, you know, talk about something that you, you get in the US that you don't often get in the UK. They, I was lucky enough that in my area they were showing uh, The Woman Who Felt Earth in theaters and so I knew I was going to see it the next day and I was like if I put in enough time I could watch this episode 11 more times before getting to the theater to watch it for the final 12th time and then I'll have seen the episode 13 times so I live streamed it and I try It's its very hard to make a live stream entertaining when you're essentially just watching an episode. And now that I do more watch-alongs, I'm, co- I'm talking in the chat. I'm sort of talking over the episode. It's, you know, half paying attention to it. But back then, I was just going to watch it. So I actually started playing Monopoly like four or five hours in. And I'm like, this is pretty bad when you start playing Doctor Who Monopoly to make your stream more entertaining. So I've seen the episode a lot. And I just think that somewhere along the line I just wanted them to think maybe not having a monster covered in teeth named Tim Shaw is gonna give the best impression for the 13th doctor so I I can talk on the level of like I wish that the writing was better now to everybody who's saying Chris Chibnall is a terrible writer Jodie Whitaker is a terrible actor that is not just not true if you've seen their shows their extensive work and I know Broadchurch gets cited a lot the show is very well written. Jodie Whittaker is an incredible actress. Don't tell me otherwise. Like it's just, it's just mean. It's just mean. I, I I will talk about Doctor Who with you, but let's keep it in the realm of being respectful and like a podcast with this. Like I I hope that when you're on the internet with comments that can be, you know print screened and and shared for the rest of eternity or you're saying something on a podcast or an episode i try i try not always but i try to talk about an episode as i would if i were talking with the actors and the people who made those episodes present so i can say that i'm frustrated that the series wasn't more well written for jody's doctor and that the messaging even though i might agree with it that it was i wish that it could have been more subtle that being said, Peter Capaldi had plenty of speech moments that he got a free pass on. He wasn't called preachy, uh, and he had he had anti-war speeches. There, you know, there were just so many instances of topics in Doctor Who that are not new, but that are being picked on now for for Jodie Whitaker's Doctor. Um, so I do wish that they gave gave her more to work with, which I think they did in Series Twelve, the story arc of her. You know, she had darker moments and. villains like when you have a cheerful fun bouncy doctor darker villains help to balance that out so getting the master the lone cyberman and they really they took lives they they actually caused harm that gives a really nice contrast to a doctor and making them sadder or you know i think that that was a really good move so i'm just hoping that they step up the writing for the sake of the show
0: no, I agree. I mean, that whole contrast you say about, you know, that you have these powerful villains like the Master and the Cyberman who are taking lives and actively making this bright and cheerful Doctor a lot more down and, like, provoking mm-hmm. her almost. I, so, I like that in the sense, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Jodie's Doctor, she's too bouncy, she's too fun, she's too this and that. I I don't know what it is. is. I've Right from the get-go, I never personally had a problem with how bouncy she was all the time. Oh. I thought, compared to capaldi now i love Cap- capaldi's my favorite doctor i think he's the best actor who's ever taken oh, on the role awesome. in my opinion but um you know because on the whole he was quite a darker doctor you know a bit more stirring, definitely a bit more, definitely sorry a bit more that, gruff yeah. yeah and i know they smoothed him out as it went on but i'd say on the whole he was still very like oh, rough yeah. around the edges oh, in terms yeah. of his spiky persona and i don't know just to to come in with this really bouncy full of loving life. I, I, for me at least, I really enjoyed it. Mm. I just love seeing that like lust for life and her enthusiasm and like you wow. say, in this season, Series 12, where these horrible things are happening and seeing mm. her get more on edge and more provoked when she's trying so hard not to let it get mm. to her because she's experienced lifetimes of this before, of course. You know, I think that I think that creates a powerful dynamic almost, you know, like when um, isn't it the bit in Villa Diodati when um, after the yes. when she gives the speech to her companions right. and she's really impassionate about it and i well i believe her because and some people say oh it came out of nowhere because her doctor's not been like this before i think that helped it be more believable mm. because when you have a character who who's always trying to be bright and bouncy and just loving of life and then something like that happens on a scale where they can't ignore it um i don't know i just find scenes like that a lot more powerful as a result and her performance certainly lived up to it for me but yes I I do agree with you in the sense of hopefully they will strengthen the writing as time uh, well as time goes on whenever they decide to make the next one I think it's been indefinitely postponed here sadly because of the uh, pandemic which is I mean I know we're getting the Christmas special which is you know nice they've got it in the Mm. can but it does make me wonder when we will get the series 13 of Doctor Who it might be 2022 for all we know now which will drive us fans crazy to no end probably but uh, because we don't like long gaps oh my Um, gosh yeah it's a it's a tough one. But um what I am aware we're getting closer to an hour. But uh, one more thing to ask you is um uh, your personal choice for the doctor who comes after Jodie. If you could pick anyone, mm-hmm. who would you pick? Mm.
1: That's that's a good question.
0: Um, mm. and it's hard to answer, isn't it? It's <laughs> it's so hard to answer. Um
1: I I mean, I'm assuming I can't, I can't say uh, like Paul McGann or an actor who's been the uh, Doctor hey, before. Hey, but hey, if you if you uh, want
0: to say Paul McGann, feel free. Literally, anyone. Uh, anyone.
1: William Hartnell will have a seance. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll bring him back. Um,
1: <laughs> I I mean, I've already said I would love Rowan Atkinson. Um, yeah, that would that would just be amazing. Uh, I think Olivia Coleman and. I mean, so many Doctor who actors have been in Broadchurch, um, but I really think she has just incredible acting chops to pull off whatever type of doctor they wanna do next because you always have an interesting choice with casting the next doctor, not just now, you know, uh, who you're gonna have play it, but also like are in the attitude, you know, are you gonna go from, you know, we went from a very young and, and sort of energetic matt smith again bouncy and energetic nobody commented on that when matt smith was the doctor he sort of became a, a more sad doctor towards the end of of his era but Capaldi was then older and darker and so i get why you would choose to go sort of the the other direction um so i i just think somebody who has the acting chops to to go in whatever way they want um i think i think she would be a great choice um
0: no definitely i mean i amazingly i saw i think it was just after jody had been cast and olivia coleman was a front runner i think or she she was definitely in the rumor pile yeah and um there were comments saying oh but she she's been in doctor who before in the 11th hour and i'm like we're still doing this argument like after <laughs> after colin baker after peter capaldi being in doctor Who and torchwood for god's sake like we're still doing this like oh if they've been in doctor who they can't They can't be the... Do Do you know, it's such a stupid argument. Yeah. It's really... Like, if you've got imagination, you'll be able to suspend your disbelief enough that this person, who looks quite similar to this other character in the same show, is a different character. Exactly. It's just... We
1: had Karen Gillan in Fires of Pompeii. We had... Exactly. Freema Aegeman in Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. Just... The... The the universe is vast and complicated and yeah. sometimes things just happen and we call them casting choices
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah absolutely i just i was just so baffled you know what i mean oh. after everything it's like why are we still calling attention to this like it's it's and especially in the 11th hour she's in it for what like five minutes oh yeah like not, she's a not lot. in it for very long no no I, but um the she certainly gets different teeth as well um <laughs> oh no well definitely i mean the universe works in mysterious ways but um yeah i mean i, I honestly mate um before i wrap up i want to say as well you know thank you again so much for coming on it's been a real pleasure chatting with you honestly and um but i want to say as well your work i think is really inspiring in the sense like you said at the beginning that you really want to create this positive you know environment and community for doctor who fans old and new just to share knowledge and all Mm -hmm. you know all that sort of stuff i think that's really admirable because i think you know with all the social media we have now um i Mm -hmm. think fandom debates whether they're about doctor or anything really um can get so easily lost when the medium is just by text right like i know i've done it myself i'm you know i'll hold my hands up and say i'm guilty of you know if someone hasn't agreed with me i might have written something that i you know would look back and think oh that was a bit you know pointless or a bit silly um i just think and especially with obviously Jodie's casting being so divisive in the current season, I think it's easy for people to look at the Doctor Who fandom and think that's a fandom I don't want to be a part of. But I am glad though there are creators like yourself and other YouTubers out there who are still promoting this, you know, accessible, inclusive idea of the Doctor Who community. I think it's very important now more than ever as well. And um, again, I think by doing this, by us two talking to each other like this, I think Mm -hmm. it opens up that medium more in the sense that you know we're not misconstruing anything we say because we can hear each other we know the I, intentions behind the words yeah, whereas maybe by a text it could get lost i mean yeah, yeah. and I, I hope we can do it more i'm actually um in the near future hopefully there's another youtuber who has done he's not primarily a who tuber but he's done doctor who related stuff mm. and uh, i messaged him about coming on the show and funnily enough he messaged me saying oh just so you know i've seen some of your videos and We've got quite opposing views on the on the Jody era, you know. If you're cool with that, I'll come on. But just so you know, and I was like, you know, I'm. If we've got different views, great. You know, let's talk about it. Right. You know, I'll listen to you. I'll hear what you've got to say. You know, I, I, do you know what I mean? I think we need to oh, make yeah. that. We need to make that more of a space. That, like, yeah, people can dislike the show. Of course, they can. Right. Just yeah, just not being nasty or being like personally a- attacking people. It's yeah, yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for for those kind words. Um, I got I got chills because, you know, that there's an attitude of uh, you know, it's something you hear when you go to like, you know, I don't go camping at, at all. Uh, I the outdoors uh, frightens me. Uh, but. <laughs> I, I can't bring my DVDs with me, uh, there's no internet, uh, but the idea of, like, you go to a, a campfire and you you leave the place better than, than when you found it, and uh, that's always, I, I, that's been my goal, and what I try and do, you know, is to, to leave the community a better place than, than when I found it, and uh, I am very lucky that I grew up. I got into the show through Modern Doctor Who, and that's when I watched it. Uh, my dad found it on Netflix and showed it to us in 2007, 2008. Um, so my nostalgia is there, and I, I grew up with the new series, and then I found the classic series, and I fell in love with it. Not because that's what I had been raised with, not because it's older and it's better, but because I, I, I loved it and and just you know felt fell in love with it so i consider myself very lucky to have that perspective of like it's still all doctor who to me it's just all the same show and the wilderness years the the books the audios the expanded universe like i just love it so much and if we can like you know there are so many divides in the fandom down to like you know new series or classic series uh 12 different doctors 26 seasons with Six to eight episodes per season, or whatever, and it's all like, "What's your favorite this? What's your favorite that?" And it's like, let's let's have less divides and let's find what what's the same about what we like that that can pull us together, whilst having honest conversations of like, "Yeah, like I can love Jodie Whittaker's Doctor and go, yeah, you know that. I wish the I wish the writing for that had been better, or yeah, that wasn't very subtle." But you know, to also balance it with, you know, I know this is the first female doctor i need to work through my own just having been brought up in a, in a sexist society i need to work through my own problems with sexism or um or with with racism like we're none of us are free from those things so i want to just as a default check my my own opinions and and sort of see if they need to be smoothed out because you know by saying would i say this about a man or would i say this about somebody who's who's not a person of color so i'm just i'm so grateful that I could come on here and uh I'm so grateful to you for having me. This has been really fun. I could talk about DocT talk for ages, so thank you.
0: <laughs> honestly, if I was one of those YouTubers with the podcast, you know, you see the ones that are like three hours long. If I had the time, honestly, mate, I'd be happy to just wax lyrical <laughs> with you about all things Doctor. I mean, hey, maybe we'll do it again sometime. I'd love to. You know, I'd be I'd be down. I'd be down. But yeah, just again, like you're absolutely right in what you say and well, I certainly know I've I've left this podcast hopefully a better Whovian based on how you approach it, because, uh-huh. you know, as I said, I'm not perfect. I know a, lo- a lot of us, None I'm of sure, us mm-hmm. have had fan interactions in the fandom, which we look back on and go, ah, kind of regret that mm-hmm. a bit. I know I've done it. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people listening have probably done it. But as you say, if we can learn anything from it, then that's the most important thing. And to stay inclusive and accessible but um no it's been a real treat and um, before you go it would do you want to shout out any of your like your youtube and social media for people who might be listening
1: oh thank you uh yeah you can find me uh as uh, the doctor who guide on youtube um i have a, a website the thedoctorguide.com you'll be able to find all my social media through there i'm on twitter instagram facebook uh, I've even done a couple of TikToks, so I'm trying to be oh, hip, you've jumped with into the, kids. the the TikTok realm, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's it's very uh, all about growing your knowledge collection and connection. And uh, that last part, the connection, is the most important part. So uh, if you want to be part of the Who crew, uh, you can uh, follow me on on those uh, platforms and definitely check out uh, this amazing podcast. It's all of your social <laughs> media, and uh, you know stay tuned for the amazing content that i'm sure is to come
0: oh thank you man i appreciate that but yeah guys honestly go and check out the doctor who guide on all the socials especially if you're a whovian some great content that has been on and will definitely come as well as you say but um yeah well the doctor who guide thank you very much for being with us today
1: thank you for having me
0: and for all of you guys listening we will see you next time on amtv radio